At Skyview, we strive to love God and others through generous hospitality and meaningful friendship. For more information about Skyview Church, please visit us at www.skyviewchurch.ca. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first one is from 1 Thessalonians 5:16-24. Always be joyful and never stop praying. Whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Jesus Christ. This is what God wants you to do. Do not turn away God's spirit or ignore prophecies. Put everything to the test. Accept what is good and don't have anything to do with evil. I pray that God, who gives peace, will make you completely holy. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept healthy and faultless until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. The one who chose you can be trusted, and he will do this. The second reading is from Luke 1, 47-55, and it's a responsive reading. I praise the Lord. He cares for me, his humble servant. From now on, all people will say, God has blessed me. God, all-powerful, has done great things for me, and his name is holy. He always shows mercy to everyone who worships him. The Lord has used his powerful arm to scatter those who are proud. He drags strong rulers from their thrones and puts humble people in places of power. God gives the hungry good things to eat and sends the rich away with nothing. He helps his servant Israel and is always merciful to his people. The Lord made his promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his family forever. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody, once again. It is good to be with you, and it's good to be to see so many of you here on a uh, bit of a snowy day with all the potential for some treacherous driving. But uh, for uh, those who are who have lived here for a long time, this is to be expected, isn't it? I mean, it's just a part of winter here, the wonderful gift of snow and what goes along with it. You look very serious this morning, uh, very somber, some of you. And when you look that way, I tend to preach longer. So it's in your best interest to express some of the joy we've been singing about. Amen? Okay, let's do that again. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be with you this morning. Just before I share um, a message that I believe God has laid on my heart and taught me through, I'd just like to invite Leanne Bennett to come forward. And um, this wonderful, wonderful person uh, with many gifts and graces and a call to ministry um, is going to get married next year sometime. July. July, July yes. But that's, that's not the, the, the... Well, that is very good news. <laughs> but with good news also comes some sad news. And as I've learned over the last two years, just as being the pastor of this church, there are times we say goodbye to people whom we love and care about daily, and that is not always easy. But uh, Leanne is uh, going to join her fiancé in, in uh, Idaho. And uh, could you just briefly just tell us a little bit about what your next steps are, and, and then 
uh, we as a church would like to pray for you. Sure. Um, so next steps are to live uh, in the States for a couple of years. I have my citizenship. And then uh, both of us have expressed um, a calling to missions. So um, probably be in South or Central America in the next few years, wherever God leads, and um, go from there at that point. So, <laughs> Thank you, Leanne. We're going to miss you, but we are excited that you're following the leadership of God in your life. We're excited that you're getting married. And we do expect that you will come back and visit us whenever you're in the city. And that Skyview will always, in some ways, be a part of your spiritual journey. Thank you for who you are. And we pray God's blessing upon you. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for Leanne. We thank you for the fact that you have placed your hand upon her. And we recognize in this Advent season how important it is for us as your servants to uh, appreciate the fact that you choose us for your incredible message and purpose. We ask your anointing upon Leanne. We ask that you would be a provider. We ask that you would bless her and her fiancé and her future plans. But, Father, above all things, we ask that she would humbly follow you, remain obedient to you, and that her life would bring glory to you. We ask now, Lord, that even on this day, as we are somewhat sad to say farewell, that you would go with her. And that you would be a God that sticks with her and is close to her in every season of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Our scripture this morning is a portion of scripture that has been referred to as the Magnificat. Magnificat, the word itself, is a Latin word that really just simply means to magnify to uh, praise, to bring glory. In some of your translations, it would use these words uh, uh, interchangeably as in to express a perspective. Uh, uh, magnification, in some ways, brings out something and, 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 and demonstrates it in a greater way, in a, in a brighter way. The older we get, the less we like magnification, especially when we look in mirrors. You know, we, we don't like magnification because it shows maybe the wrinkles and the spots that we didn't realize were there. Uh, but in this particular portion of Scripture, magnification is about bringing glory to God in an incredible, powerful way. Who here likes music? Just raise your hand. It's okay if you don't, but most of you do. Who has a favorite song? This is all very spiritual, so don't mind putting your hands up. It's okay. Have a favorite song. I'm just going to do this to make sure that some are awake. And I want to ask a couple of you to tell me what your favorite song is. No, you can't. It's okay. Why don't you tell us what your favorite song is? Um, Don't change it now. One of them is Paul Brandt's Risk. Paul Brandt. I can't say that Paul is a personal favorite of mine, but... To each his own. Oh, whoa, whoa. I know better than to insult country music in Calgary. Uh, I'm j- What's that? He was here last night. Oh, wow. In the city, you mean. Not here. Well, he lives... No- oh, sorry. See how much I know about country music. Okay, let's move on. Uh, anybody else? A favorite song? Just quickly. Just raise your hand. Some of our visitors are getting nervous at this point. So, regular attenders. Okay. What's your favorite song? Through Your Eyes by Jenny and Tyler. Through Your Eyes by who? Jenny and Tyler. Jenny and Tyler. Haven't heard of them. I'm sorry. Anybody else? One more. Right over here. Uh, 
I'm not sure what are we going to hear. Akuna Matata. <laughs> Is that seriously, or are you just messing with me? Okay, good, good. Because it's a personal favorite of mine. Not my top, but a personal favorite. Songs have incredible meaning. Uh, some of us probably don't want to share because we just don't like to share in public like this. But songs have the ability to transcend and they have the ability to speak about something that we deeply feel. Do you agree? Sometimes we hear a song and in the song the lyrics profoundly touch us. We resonate with it. it it's like someone knew what's going on in our life and they put it on paper. It's the kind of music that has the ability to stir our hearts and make us pensive and thoughtful. Uh, don't get me wrong, there are times when I drive in my car and I turn on the radio and I heard songs, I hear songs uh, that used to be cool when I was a teenager and, and I, 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 I almost feel like I did back then. And with it comes all these memories and these thoughts. And song and music, lyrics put to music, have an incredible ability to affect us, to shape us. But you also know, because you are astute and you are smart people and well-read people, that songs have played an incredible role in the history of man. It has played a role, uh, for example, during, during slavery in the United States. It became a means of protesting. Those slaves were not given much privileges. They were allowed to sing. And did you know some of what is considered and called the Negro spirituals were really songs of revolution, songs crying for change. You see, songs with lyrics that cry out for something have an ability to actually shape the minds of people. I, 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 I did a little research and I came across a quote by a, uh, a, 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 a black activist, and where is my notes here? In 1937, Marcus Garvey said, he says, we are going, talking about slavery, he says, we are going to emancipate ourselves from mental slavery. Are you with me here? Because while others might free the body, none but ourselves can free the mind. You see, protest songs are one of the most powerful tools in freeing ourselves from the shackles of our minds. When I grew up in South Africa during apartheid years, in our schools, both in primary and secondary education, we sang songs of protest, protest and crying out for a change that was not yet there but that we longed for. Songs play an important role in our lives today, but they convey a deeper meaning in Scripture in particular. A song entitled, Go Down Moses, a Negro spiritual that some of you may recognize. Draw implicit comparisons between the plight of the enslaved African Americans during slavery and the enslaved Hebrews in the Bible. This particular song that was just read this morning called The Magnificat is a song much like the songs of protest. It, it, it both anticipates and affirms that there's a revolution that is breaking in, that something different is going to happen because of who was coming. You know, we tend to take the teeth out of Jesus when we reduce the season to an innocent babe in a manger. 
But if we hear within the song a declaration of what it meant for God to step into this world, what it meant for God to come into this world in the most vulnerable way, we understand in a more profound way that this song is not only relevant for us today, but it is necessary and needed. Mary is traveling to Elizabeth. where she encounters a woman that did not think she could have children of her own. It is at this encounter that inside her belly, she was expecting, as well as Elizabeth, and that the Word of God tells us in the preceding text to the text that was read this morning, that the baby leapt with inside her womb. This physical sign Elizabeth interprets, and in fact, are you with me? This is going to get really good. Okay. In fact, Elizabeth interprets the movement of the baby as a divine sign. And if you study the scripture, along with that interpretation, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was so filled with the Holy Spirit, with a baby in her belly, that she starts to prophesy over Mary and she starts to tell her how blessed she is. There's something really remarkable about when someone is expecting a baby. Would you agree? Come on now, grandmothers. Oh, and there's also something incredibly scary. (laughs) And something that I cannot relate to in any means because I'm not a woman. But there's something incredibly beautiful about expectation and waiting and sharing in that, in that, that anticipation that there will be this incredible experience and person that would come into life. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies over Mary and and just blesses her and says, Blessed are you for believing God in, in, in what He said He would do. And it is in that blessing that Mary responds and sings a song. Now, it's one thing to sing a song, Joel, but it is another thing, Helen, To feel it deep within your bones. It is something to sing someone else's music, but it is another thing to feel so personally connected to something that when you sing it, you you have emotions and feelings and thoughts that come out of you. Have you ever been at a concert and you're standing there and you're the observer and you look at people around you and a favorite song comes up from this artist? I was at the U2 concert, I think about a year ago, and I remember looking around. Now, I'm a U2 fan, but I am not a diehard U2 fan like some of my very close friends who are here today. But I looked over and glimpsed at one of my friends and I could see that he was just feeling the impulse of this music. He was losing himself in that moment because there's something incredibly important about feeling and experiencing and understanding something intimately and just saying something with your lips. You see, that is why worship in this church, when we sing songs... We can do it, and we can do it really well, but unless it's actually intimately woven into our experience, unless we actually feel something, unless we actually believe what we're saying, we're doing nothing more than singing songs. We may even sound good at it, we may even keep the tempo to it, but unless it means something to us, we will do nothing more than lip service. It is certainly not what Mary is doing in this text. 
In fact, the words she used, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. Listen, there is nothing in the text that would give us an indication that Mary at a Jesus concert would not be right at the front of center stage screaming out in adoration, singing along to the music. She is all in. She is invested in this. This is something that is personal and this is something that is real. You know, Christian spirituality has always been about an intimate connection with the person to whom we address our worship. It has always been personal. It has always been being in, living into it, experiencing the presence of God. I I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but how blessed it must have been for a woman, not even a woman, a teenager, we guess, around the ages of 13 to 14 years old, to be told through divine revelation and an angel that within her she carries the very divine. Within her she carries the one who would literally change the world. And yet, Christianity, at least the God of Christianity, shows a divine preference for using the least of these, the most vulnerable, the most open. In fact, our scripture goes on and defines it like this. This God fends for those who cannot fend for themselves and chooses the very incapable, the non-powerful to demonstrate His great plan. I want to say that humility is not just a good attribute, but humility in the life of a person creates the capacity for God to fill us. I want to say to you that as Mary starts to sing from her soul and from her spirit, she says, thank you, God, that you've looked upon me, the humble. Uh, Let let me just say this to you, folks, because I I, I don't know if the point has yet settled in. Uh, God chooses the humble, not just because he likes the lowly, but because the humble are not full of themselves. They are empty enough to be filled by his spirit. Isn't it interesting that the phrase we use to define pride is the way, is the the phrase, have you ever used it? We've ever heard it? So full of himself. You know what that phrase literally means? It means that people don't have the capacity for humility or for God because their lives are so filled with themselves. Do you realize that pride is being so full of oneself, so invested in yourself, so stretched and bent in on yourself that you cannot perceive of your need for a true God and a God that would come and look upon you and see within you the capacity to be filled by Him. You see, people like Mary and Elizabeth and even Hannah, which this story resonates with. Let me tell you about Hannah. Hannah could not conceive a child. Came before the Lord, fell on her knees and begged. She says, God, 
I want to have a child. Give me a son. She goes further. You know what she says? She says, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. I make this Nazarite vow that I will give him to you, devote him to you. He will be wholly yours if you will bless me with a son. Guess what God does? He blesses her with fertility. And she has a son. And that son's name is Samuel. And the scripture teaches us in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 through 10, that in Hannah's prayer and her song, she pours herself out before the Lord. And she praises him and exalts exalts Him and glorifies Him and magnifies Him. In fact, the word that is used in that specific scripture is a word that refers to a ceremony called a libation ceremony. It is the kind of ceremony where you take water and you pour it out as a means of offering and praise. The imagery in that prayer is of someone that is so overwhelmed, so filled with God's presence, so thankful for who He is, that literally she cannot contain it And it just comes out of her. I want to say to you, my friends, that when we sing songs that change the world, we sing it not for any other reason, but that we have the capacity and the humility within us to receive God's Holy Spirit in our life in such profound ways that it just oozes right out of us. I think the reason, possibly, And I find it hard to say to this congregation because I think you sing well. At least from what I hear up front. But I think the reason very few worship is because we're too filled with ourselves. And we lack the capacity to be filled by the Spirit. For when the Spirit of God fills human beings... They don't have to be cajoled into worship. They don't have to hear the right song and the right melody. They don't even have to like Paul Brandt. They don't have to be concerned about styles when the Spirit of God fills a person like Mary. She could do nothing else but praise Him and magnify Him in her spirit and with her soul. When is the last time That capacity within your heart was so overfilling with the presence of God that the words you sang, you could not get them out fast enough. Isn't some of the most joyous experiences in our lives when we sing? Now, for those of us who don't have a very good singing voice, that never hinders us, does it? We sound the best in the bathroom, some of us, singing to ourselves. But many of us know what I mean when I say that there are moments of sheer joy within our life that propels us to find music and words to give, to give a, a meaning to the depth of what's coming. I, I want to say to you that true worship of God does not come out of your willingness to step in and be okay and sing. It comes because in this Advent season, the Holy Spirit of God who came about Elizabeth and made her fertile with John the Baptist, the same Holy Spirit who came upon Hannah, the same Spirit Spirit who came upon a lonely Mary filled her so much that she could do nothing else but praise God and give Him glory. What would it be in our church?
church, when we are so filled with God's presence, when we are so blessed that He chose us, when we are so thankful, even knowing that we're not capable, that we're not the strongest, that we're not the best, but that He chose us, when God's Holy Spirit fills us that much, it will come out in an abundance. And listen, folks, we won't have to talk about evangelism. We won't have to tell people about Jesus. Jesus will be flowing out of our lives and our actions. Maybe the reason some of us are not turned on by this because it's not so, so pleasing, it's not so easy, it's not so tangible, it's not so uh, nice to think that maybe the reason I struggle to worship in all parts of my life is because my life is too full of myself. I see the gloss overlooks. Reminds me of teen camps. About two minutes in, the eyes indicate that the brain is left. It is packed up sharp. It, it's no longer dialed in. It's no work connected. You know what? I've had to learn as a youth pastor very quickly that there are some people who will hear and some people who won't. I've had to resolve that they're in any given congregation, in any given community, some of us are more ready to hear than others. I pray the blessing of God for open ears and receptive hearts in our community of faith. But I want to say to you, friends, I was at a youth camp this last year. I probably preached one of the hardest messages I've ever preached to youth. Because in the session before this session that I preached in, we had a worship band who was just fantastic musically. I love good music. When, just, when, when, when people are good at what they do in music, I get so excited. I want to dance. You know, I, I, just, I just want to stand there and go, just do it, man. Just do it. This is awesome. You know? and, and I just feel it within me. And I remember being in this worship service and, and, and seeing the disconnect between what I was seeing up on the stage and what I was seeing in the audience. The audience realized that was like this. Impress me. I'm not impressed. That's cool, I guess. Hey, can I have some gum? And I remember uh, at one point, it's a mixture of being tired and being led by the Spirit is a dangerous mixture. Uh, I I, 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 I felt that this edge come out in me, um, this old school uh, South African edge, I guess. And and I felt a moment of admonition coming. And in the next session, I I just laid it all out there. And and I literally said to this, this community of youth, I said to them, isn't he worth your worship? Isn't he worth you giving him your very best? Isn't it worth, you don't have to run. You don't have to wear sneakers to scale the walls. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to jump up and down. But isn't it true that if the Holy Spirit in fact fills our individual lives, is He not worthy of our deepest and most gracious worship? Folks, you know what? You know when a community of faith are humble. You know when they have the capacity for the Holy Spirit when you hear them sing. You know that God is doing something in fellowship. When whether the worship leader loses his way in his notes or not, the people sing. You know that God is doing something on the inside when nothing can keep you from praising Him. But the capacity to praise, the capacity to be filled, comes from assuming a posture of humility. God of Christianity. He chooses the most lowly and least powerful to accomplish His great plan of salvation.
The Apostle Paul says God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God shows a divine preference for the humble. And the reason is the humble have space in their life. For him. Humility enables us to be filled by God's presence. And what I believe true in my life is I need more of God's presence in my life. You know, when we become receptive, when we are humble, we become spirit filled. She cries out, she says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. How do we know when someone is filled? How do we know when someone is humble? There is an overflowing of praise and worship in their lives. I mean, when when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. I I, I was thinking as I was going over the notes this morning and and it was one of those weeks where, where the message came real slow. And I thought, if it really dies, it's always good in youth ministry to have an object lesson so that it doesn't totally bomb. And so I came with my object lesson. And here it is. You know, I I, I want to give you a a perspective. If this is my life, at best, you know, uh, I mean, I'm acknowledging with it being kind of uh, just under a half full or maybe a third full that I have my humanity. There's something in me uh, that God has made me to be. But when I have the posture of recognizing that I need God in my life, and when I start to experiencing the, 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 the presence of God, uh, not the presence in Christmas, when I open my life to the Holy Spirit's leading, when I spend time in the Word, when I say, Lord, I'm not capable, but I'm willing. When I say, Lord, even though I don't believe I can, you can. And when I open my heart like that, God starts to pour in His Spirit. And He pours it in in such a way, I want you to see this, that it continues to pour out and it overflows. You see, the kind of life that I want to live is a life that is overflowing, not with self-centeredness, but with the Spirit and the blessing of God within me. The kind of life that is rich. When people come into contact with me, I want them to sense that, man, he is as human as the rest of us, but he's filled with the Spirit. There is something about this man that makes me want to find out about his God. There is something about him that makes him sing songs that I deeply within my heart believe will happen and will change the world. How empty are you? Is there capacity within your life to be filled by His Spirit? Some of us may struggle with this for various reasons, but maybe some tangible expressions or examples will suffice. I use the same parables over and over Because you can never use them enough. But the second son who stays after the prodigal runs away. 
There's no capacity in his heart and his life for God. Because he's made himself full and right. There are many people who are religious, but they're not filled with the Spirit of Christ. There are many people who are filled with capabilities and gifts and graces, even in church and in ministry, and by the grace of God are Christian, but they lack the infilling of God's Spirit that creates within them a worshipful attitude. You know, the reason why I, I complain and I gripe more than I praise is because I have yet to allow the very Holy Spirit to fill me completely. Folks, listen, I'm saying the same thing over and over again for the last ten minutes. Are you with me? Is it sinking in? Do you see that this is not Stu standing on his podium saying, hey, you ought to live this way. But that is me saying, Father, I am empty. I need your presence. This is me saying, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I don't want religion. I don't want to just be okay. I just don't want to be nice and sing good songs. I want to sing the kind of songs that are going to change the world. I want to be a part of the movement of God's Holy Spirit that brings restoration. Do you know what this Magnificat is about? It is about the kingdom of God breaking in and changing things around. What dominant culture says is okay. God comes through Jesus and says, the poor will be, they will be fed. Those who are hungry will experience a filling. Those who are lowly, those who others overlook, I will not overlook in my kingdom. It is the song that says a revolution will break through through those people who are humble enough to receive the power of the Holy Spirit within them. Hi. Stu. Sometimes I want to say to some of you, if you only knew me, some of you are looking a little nervous. There's a part of me that, 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 that on some Sundays want to say, I hope I never seem pretentious. I hope that when I preach with some of the authority that I feel the Holy Spirit gives me, you see that it is God taking a very broken young man, and I'm still young. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> and being gracious to me. That he would choose me to speak to you about him. That he would choose me to be your pastor. That he would choose me. I'm not capable. You know, my, my, my abilities is not what makes God choose me. And neither is it yours. It's my willingness to humble myself before him. To recognize that he chooses me despite my inadequacies. And that when that humility meets the very holy presence of Jesus Christ, our lives overflow with him. Have you been in the company of somebody who you just can't get enough of? My wife says that of me all the time. <laughs> Have you ever been in the company of somebody that you know in so many ways they, they resemble what you long for and yet there's a humility within them that makes them teachable 
I don't like glorifying people, and she would hate this. But I visited with Ann Corbett recently, and we need to pray for Ann. I don't know what it must be like, other than just observing what she's dealing with, to have a bright mind and a failing body. It's so painful. And I sat with her and I brought her some mushroom soup. <laughs> and always makes me chuckle. It was like I brought her a steak from the best restaurant in Calgary. I sat with her and we started to talk together. And before you know it, as is custom, when I meet with Anne, the Bible opens up. That's a good thing. And we start talking together. And i got to be honest with you, most of the times when I visit Ann Corbett, it's for me. I think it's great that God calls it ministry. <laughs> and I started to share with her. And we got in the Word and we talked. And, and she has this grace and poise about her and humility that, that even when she says something pro- so profound that I go, oh, that's going to save me a few hours in sermon preparation. She, she immediately follows up by saying, but oh, pastor, how much I need to grow. How much I need to be filled She's 96 years old. She demonstrates a humility and a vulnerability, and yet profoundly the Holy Spirit rests upon her frail frame. And out of her life comes an abundance of who He is. I have to say to you that I do not think I will live to be 96 I'm not kidding. The reason is, my body is about 20 years advanced to my age already. And I think God only reserves and keeps people <laughs> like Anne. Because he's trying to teach young people like me. That when I've lost all that I think really means something. I may be ready to cling to the one who means everything. You see, what seniors intuitively know is that you can chase after being filled by many things. But at the end of the day, the one thing that truly fills and brings an abundance of life is the very presence of God within you. I invite us this morning to ask questions. Of whether our lives right now as it is has enough space for God. And even if he doesn't, he can create space and he can fill us. Do you believe that? A few of us.
I, uh, as I was planning the service, I uh, planned it with a worship leader, one of our worship leaders, Helen, this week. And as we talked, I said to her, Helen, uh, what do you think the appropriate way to end our service would be on Sunday? And we threw around ideas and came up with this idea that it would be wonderful if we could just pray. Now, when I say pray, you guys know this, at the seed of hope, that means free for all. Everybody prays in Africa at the same time. Don't get nervous. <laughs> I won't do that to us. But there's a, a conviction in that community that, you know, and in the culture that says, you know, who are we really praying for? You know, when we pray, do we pray so others can hear? Or do we pray to the one who we believe actually matters and who hears? And so we wrestled through it. And I said, I, I, I think what we need to do is we need to have representatives out of our community come and stand in front of us and maybe begin to pray uh, prayers of thanksgiving that God would have chosen us to be his. And then I thought, I thought to myself a little further, but, but if the word has done what it's done in me, then maybe in some of us too, we need to confess that our lives are to fool. And so there'll be someone who's going to pray very briefly a prayer of confession. And, and if that's where you are, then, then that prayer is for you. And then all you need to do is listen and hear and enter in. There may be some of us here this morning who, who deep within our hearts are so grateful for the wonderful, wonderful presence of God in our life. Listen, I, I want to take you beyond the material here. I, I don't want you just to thank God for what he's blessed you with and given you. I, I, I'm encouraging us to, 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 really, to really dig deep and, and recognize that, that if he doesn't give us anything more in this world, that Jesus is more than enough. And so some of us may want to listen to that prayer of thanksgiving and just give him praise. And then finally, we have a prayer of petition. The prayer of petition is a prayer that is prayed on behalf of those who are sitting here who may have needs, who may have challenges that you don't want to share publicly. I will name a few important ones in our community. Veronique just finished her last week of radiation and chemotherapy. We want to pray for her today. We want to pray for Anne as she recovers and has to discern the next steps in her life. We want to pray for the family members of Milena who are experiencing the challenges of losing loved ones. We also want to use that time to quite honestly come before Lord, the Lord and believe that as we pray, he answers. As Helen uh, comes up and prepares herself to lead us in some worship, I want to invite those who have asked to come and pray to step forward. And we're not... We're not going to do this in any strange way other than they're going to just pray. Some of them have notes. Some of them are going to pray from their heart. Why don't you come over here, Brad, as you're the, you're the last. Oh, yeah, on that side. I'm sorry. I was not very good in organization. Was I. And um, as we pray, um, let's use this time. Maybe you don't have the strength to pray, so you need to listen. 
But let us not waste this opportunity. Would you lead us? Heavenly Father, you truly are worthy. Worthy of all our praise and adoration, Lord. And your word says, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our Lord, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. Dear God, we just come before you humbly, come before you knowing that we don't always measure up and that we fail to see that you are the God who's called us and that you are the God who wants to fill us. God, we just confess our shortcomings this morning. We confess that we don't always live the life you've called us to. And for this, God, we ask your forgiveness and we ask for your strength so that we can live the life you have called us to. Father, just give us clear minds and an open heart so that in whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we can proclaim your name and proclaim the good news of your son, God. That we can just live a life that is filled with you. Hold us to you and build our relationships with you, God. Forgive us. A prayer of thanksgiving. At this time of year, we are convicted by the truth that God has blessed us, not just materially, but in many and meaningful ways. We discover giving thanks as a decision, just as thanking God for the gift of Christ at this season is a voluntary choice. Hear the words of Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing and know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Thank you, Father. Father, your son told us that we're more valuable than even the flowers of the field who are dressed in more splendor than even Solomon was. You tell us in that same passage, Father, to not worry. God, we recognize we worry a lot. And I think, God, that lots of times when we approach you boldly, as we approach your throne of grace, we don't always do so in an act of worship, but we do so, Father, with a list of things that we need and things that we want from you. And Father, we recognize that so much of our relationship is us being hungry 
and you being some kind of a cosmic waiter where we just sort of demand that you bring things to us. And Father, we can feel bad about that or we can recognize exactly our place in that relationship. We are, in fact, God, very, very hungry. We are needy people. (laughs) God, we, we recognize that without you, there is nothing in our lives worth having. No relationships, no health, none of the material things, Father. Even our relationship with you is only there because you initiated. And so, Father God, we recognize our desperation for you. Later on in Matthew, God, it tells us that we're supposed to come and ask and seek and knock and that we're not going to be turned away when we do that. And yet, Father, so often we don't ask and we don't seek and we don't knock and we don't receive. And so, Father, very humbly we come with our petitions with things that we recognize that we need because without you, we just can't. We recognize our emptiness, Father. We recognize how completely awesome you are. And it's not lost on us, Father, the distance between how great you are and how needy we are. So, Father, it's because of how great you are, it's with that that we come with confidence because you are a loving Father who loves us so much that you just want to give. It's not our own deserving your love, Father. It's because you're so great. And it's because of that, Father, we can ask for things like health, recovery, mended relationships. Father, peace in our hearts. In fact, there's so many things that we need, Father, and a lot of it is just stuff that you want so desperately to give us, like love and patience and kindness and goodness and all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, Father. And we recognize how much we lack those things. So, Father, come and fill us, we pray. Come and be our all in all. Because without you, we're really nothing. God, you've heard our, our, our requests. Some have been spoken and some have not. And we give them fully to you, recognizing that we can't meet our own needs. And yet we need to trust you and your love and your goodness in our lives. In your name I pray. On behalf of all of us here, amen.